And hello, everybody. Welcome to our Monday chill session. Um, we're pretty fortunate. Got uh, when I got into the studio today, um, Cesare sent me a a kind of hey DM or storyteller. Can you help me out with my backstory and background and you know and and actually this brings up a good point. And this will be for our Sunday night game, uh, the 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 debtor's gambit. Um, Brings up a good point. Sometimes open worlds can be very daunting when you get all the creativity you want to start and and, and work on what you want to work. So, oh yeah, yeah, I totally get that. <laughs> you know, and, it happens. Well, and to a certain degree, it's you know, to a certain degree, it's also a little bit about you know the, um, you know, for some of us storytellers, we begin to realize that if we do that. It kind of means you're going to do some of my writing for me. I don't really have to. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yep. You're like, let's do it, man. Let's get to it. This is so great. No, it kind of works out well that way. So yeah. what's your what's your main stumbling block? What's your thought process? Um, so, well, in actuality, the first message that I sent you was uh, in reference to Valev's backstory because I never got that to you. Um, we I jumped into that game so quickly and it was really more just broad strokes as far as what I was thinking about doing. Tonight, and that's tonight's game, Faerun Reborn. Yeah, um, and you asked me for that backstory like two weeks ago, and I was like, you got it, forgot. Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the idea of a new campaign and new character creation and then having access well, to all your in, books. You're now officially like, oh in three games, right? You're in Monday, Sunday, and what Wednesday, right? Wednesday. And Wednesday. Yeah. So and they're, they're three long campaigns, and they're all recorded either in podcast or video, um, not stream. Uh, one of them will be streamed. Uh, right. But then the other is just pre-production, and then that's actually being edited. So there's like a week's worth of editing that's going into that bit that I have fortunately my my editor Nick is manning that and it's a lot it's a lot yeah. so there's so yeah. much story and so much creative and then trying to come up with concepts for the new Sunday game all of like the backstory possibility ideas have been just like on flood and I feel tapped out yeah no, I, <laughs> I was like I can't even think I know what the basics of Valev's backstory so for Anybody who doesn't know uh, who the character Valev is, um, I took some bits of like a Mowgli story uh, and combined it with some other stuff. So instead of being raised by a pack of wolves, Valev is a young wild child that was raised by a pack of, or a, I don't even know, a den of bears. I'm not sure what I think the a uh, den of bears would be appropriate. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so he grew up, you know. Um, had mother, father, a uh, couple sibling cubs and bears as well. Uh, around the age of four or five, he was found by a druid clan and they ended up bringing him in. He uh, became a mentee of the um, shaman there who saw and was helping him tap into his uh, magical capabilities. Um, and then he kind of grew up back and forth, just working and uh, helping um, a couple of the wealthier people in nearby towns with, um, you know, certain tracking or um, expeditions and stuff like that, helping getting rare artifacts and bringing them back. Um, but I never actually like, got to flesh out any of the story of his human family or the story of his actual bear kin and um, uh, not the the class type but or, or the racial trait 
feet, whatever it's called. I'm not sure on the book's terms. Um, not the... Yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. Is it much. Unearthed yeah. Arcana? Is it UA for the Barricade? Um, race? I don't know because there's probably about 20 different homebrew versions of Barakin. Yeah. Uh, so there's the, the koala right? Barakin, so, the polar Barakin, all kinds. One of the things that could be overwhelming is that I can't really control all the homebrew. I right. can control my homebrew that I build, but I really do like a lot of the homebrew that the community makes out there. Mm -hmm. So I kind of let it all fly and then we talk about it. So I think your version of the Barakin could actually be a D&D Beyond homebrew community one. Mm -hmm. May not be a UA one. I'm not entirely sure. I didn't really look into it because I, you know, you know your stuff. I'm not worried about that. I don't. No. I don't. Well, I haven't done anything want. with that one. There's that one wild shape that you said. And I, that's, this is why I love the homebrew aspect of everything. Because while I was just like, yeah, it'll be great. I could wild shape into a brown bear and it could be, or a black bear and it can be like that family, right? Uh, but then you threw out the idea of, but what if you have a special wild shape to where when you wild shape, you actually are transforming into that n totem bear kin because right. he is a barbarian druid. So he has totem of the bear. Um, and then you keep your Valev stats instead of when you would normally wild shape, you take over a majority of the stats of the creature that right. you're, or the beast that you're wild shaping into. Right. And I thought, oh, that's super interesting and intriguing. So then I had to start doing like looking up the research on what the Barakin stats were. And in actuality, I could have just like started making them up and being like, what do you think of this? And you could have looked it over and been like, tweak this, this, and this, but that's good. Like, I'm like, wait, what? Oh yeah, this is unbridled creativity that we're working with <laughs> and we can do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> oh yeah. So that's kind of what I'm working with uh, okay. as far as uh, starting the Lebs backstory. for your Sunday night game? Oh, Omni. Omni. That was the Omni one as well. Yeah, so, yeah. So Omni is uh, a changeling. Yes. And uh, they, it's going to be a they, them, uh, we, our uh, character, because they take on the personality and the physical traits and the voice of a particular oh, good. avatar that for a while. That feel good because I like having two shows that I could practice that in because... With uh, Shannon's character in Friday Nights, I've gotten really <laughs> good at the you know the pronoun that she uses. Yeah, yeah. Um, and having another one would is really awesome. That'll help. I'm gonna have yeah. trouble with it. Anytime I go to say something, I I there can be no. That's that's one of the things that I am as an actor. I'm gonna have to like think about. It's not a necessity of. It's us, the party. It is always right, going right. to be the party, not me, Omni, as a changeling individual. Um, and that's the mindset. I'm just so I could say the right thing. And so I think we should do this. Nope. It's always going to be we think. Yep. No, I agree. 100%. Which is fun because that's going to be challenging. And it'll be... Um, It'll be a nice, and then also so many accents, so many different dialect types. Like I could be all of the things, like I could do all the voices the whole time. It's going to be great. Well, but yeah, yeah, I need a backstory for them as well. So. Yeah. Well, changelings, obviously there's a lot of um, established lore for changelings. Right. Um, in fact, I'm going to bring up really interesting, uh, a website I use for my, um, Alerts is not working today. 
<laughs> for your alerts on what? Yeah, owned 3D TV for some reason. I can't get to them today. Really strange. Um, I was doing some sound alert tests and they were working fine. Um, but I have not been able to get owned3d.tv up and working today. It's been very strange. Huh. I like to use them. They had a Celtic overlay package I've been drooling over for months. <laughs> And I plan on getting it because I like, nice. I like, you know, I like changing up backgrounds and, and I practice different methodologies of building backgrounds and stuff. Um, uh, I ended up uh, getting this one from uh, um, Nerd or Die. Yeah. They, they have some pretty good packages too. They also have really good breakdown on their packages um, where they have, they have it scaled from 10 to $60. So you can go oh, in nice. and just choose the pieces that you want to buy. Like I'm not a custom designer kind of person. I don't mm -hmm. I don't have enough um I mean I can set up a kind of fun overlay like this and, and make it pleasant, but I don't I don't I'm not a Photoshop person. I don't know how to open up a layer of Photoshop, you know, and mm -hmm. do that hyper creativity and then add a layer to it and then add a layer to it, you know. I I know my right, right. It's, it's important to know your limits, you know. Um, I write stories and I tell them for people to enjoy. That's my main thing I'm good at. Um, I like it. So <laughs> it works. It does. So changeling. Yeah. I want to quickly do something here. Keep the E in it. Oh, they do. I hate that. <laughs> so it's interesting because. Changeling is a monster, right? I mean, for all intents and purposes, you know, it, it, it essentially is a monster. Um, the lore and its overall understanding of what it's capable of has always been kind of monster interpreted. But with the mm -hmm. advent of 5e and finally having that kind of homebrew digital creativity and the other things that make the storytellers' lives a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. There's now a lot less monsters that are being labeled, and now you're getting hybrid, you know, lineages, right? So, right. I guess the real question is for Omni: If we wanted to really customize this, did you want to be a hybrid form of a changeling? Did you want to be a half changeling? I mean, I mean that would be pretty interesting, right? Because you could then pick. Um, because obviously no one's really set in stone their races yet. I mean, that little brief right. intro that I did for Sunday night was mostly for fun. You guys are going to get really blown away when we do episode one Sunday night. Oh, man, I was literally in the equipment section, no, like I know. picking I know. out what my AC was going to be. <laughs> and then you were like, and you're on a well, raft. You, know, you have nothing you know, but a dagger. I'm like, mother. So because of this some guy. recent things that we've been involved with with another storyteller mm. i kind of did that as an homage to how you can make something forced seem not forced sure you know what i mean like mm -hmm. you know when the other narrative about getting stranded through a portal of time felt very disjointed forced and not very enjoyable from the previous show that we were or game that we were in um and then thinking about a different way you could kick off a session for and make it pure entertainment without it making it feel like you're being railroaded. You know, I narrated it in such a, a simplistic way and finished it with this lesser Kraken approaching 
this. It's a lesser kraken. Yeah. Oh. I I Ever? saw it. Ever? I saw it, but I, that didn't tell me much. I'm like, oh, cool. It's a squiddy thing. <laughs> um, For all I know, that could be how big it is. Like, but <laughs> when we do episode one next Sunday, uh, mm. since you're chilling with me today, when we do episode one next Monday, we're gonna be back on the maximizer, entering the hurricane. Oh crap. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's, this is like you just Tarantino'd it. Uh, no, what's that other guy who did uh, um, uh, Dunkirk? Um, where he just disjoints his stories. He pulls you yeah. forward and then pulls you backward. And I've always I didn't liked actually it. see Dunkirk. Yeah, you should I've, see it. It's I know pretty creative. It's what a, you're talking about. Yeah. There's not, it's not linear plot. You're going it, back and it, forth uh, between different sections. Yeah, isn't it? Um, What's his name's husband? Madonna's husband. Um, Guy Ritchie? I think it's Guy Ritchie who did Dunkirk. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. But anyways, back to the main point of the Changeling, is that the lore for the longest time has been Mm -hmm. monster-based. With so many monster-based lores now uh, kind of shifting in the direction of player base, um, if you wanted to make the physicality of it much more simplistic, but still enjoy the immersion of the capability of the changeling lineage, the possibility of a half changeling, right? Whether it's human-centric, orc-centric, goblin-centric, whatever other, you know, uh, lineage you want to go with might be one possibility you might want to think about because obviously I'm not going to really expect much from any of you until Friday. I mean, I want to give you guys the full week, you know, to be as creative as you want and really explore your avenues that you want to explore. Um, but there is a known lore in the world in regards to changelings. And for the mm-hmm. most part, it's hyper suspicious. In fact, if you read off their languages, common, dwarvish, elvish, halfling, and thieves can't, right? So their monster lore already has thieves can't, mm. right? So, you know, depending on the direction you decide to take you know, the overall development of the lineage. Now, who knows, right? I, I don't know if you go pure... I hate using the term pure blood, but that's it comes to mind because of um, uh, uh, Ivar's Yanti in my other game. And right. we had to specify pure blood because the difference between the physical appearance of the two... Sure. You know, it makes a difference. But for the most part... For the most part... You have a, a lot more leeway here. If you go a full lineage changeling versus a half lineage changeling, for the most part, you can still retain the base effect of what changelings can do, mm-hmm. but you may find it easier to avoid the lore of suspicion um, by going the halfway versus the full way, right? Because I treat them as magical creatures, right? Okay. So detect magic could be a challenge, right? You could walk into a room into an arcane library and they may have but, a detect magic glyph up and then suddenly you. But that wouldn't necessarily be like a magic spell that is happening. Like the change happens, but then the physiology is there. So if in theory, in my mind, if I were to change in a space where that happens, yeah, that's I kind like of that when better. it, yep. when like it that. would. Yeah, yeah, I like that better. Yeah. 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 
I'll go with that. Then, I'll alter it for that. Because at like that point, that. they're once they shift, like that's the form they're in. They don't continue like concentrating on it or anything like that. Right. They just are that form until they. Uh, I, I I don't believe if I read it properly. Maybe it might have been a spell that I was thinking of when um, if they die, they stay in that form, or if they revert back. I don't remember which way it was. I think it's uh, in the lore. I think it has something to do with resurrection, if I'm correct. Um, a lot of the changeling, um, so a lot of the changing lore is like all over the place. You can go to the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron. Um, there's the Rising from the Last War. Um, I think changelings as a whole have been popular in Eberron because Eberron's a bit more of a steampunky vibe. And I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. like playing that character as or that lineage is a steampunky kind of vibe. Um, but yeah, I... There's a lot of lore regarding changelings. This is true. And I think that might be your only challenge, because I'm going to let lore about the changeling exist, mm-hmm. mostly because I want you to have an independent challenge, regardless of whatever backstory you pick, right? There's, yeah, you know, I think... As a storyteller designing NPCs, I tend to fall in the category of designing NPCs that are affected by their world, not necessarily by their lineage. So, for example, um, there is a privateer NPC that I've already evolved that's going to eventually become the leader. Mm -hmm. You would think his lineage would not allow him to behave the way he potentially may behave. Right, if you follow a more raw approach to lineage. Yeah. But his world has shaped him. Right. You know, and because his world has shaped him, it's you know, it it, it you know, it, it's gonna be expressed through his NPC nature and he's gonna be a physicality of one thing, but his nature of the way the world has caused him to evolve, that's going to be his the presentation of his of the theme. So Back to yeah. your overall backstory approach, right? No matter what, changelings, for the longest point of lore, have been interpreted as monsters, mm-hmm. secretive, suspicious, right? Um, so those are things you can consider when developing your backstory. If you want a protagonist-antagonist relationship with your backstory, another way of thinking about it, right? How you form all that background. Like, I feel like the Lev is a protagonist because he's a young teenager. He's got a lot of ideas. Yeah, he's on his like hero's quest yeah. trying to go out and discover himself. He's the young Hercules. Exactly. And the reason why his backstory is important to me because Derek has already met the Dryad, right? So because Derek has met the Dryad, there's a lot of right. nature things beginning to happen mm-hmm. because that has kind of a hook into the major arc that's happening. I mean, finding Silverhand's tomb... I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see if you could un- if you guys could unravel this riddle. But it's probably not. Uh, I, I'm for sure Valev won't. Absolutely, hundred percent. You have an ace on the sleeve, you know, with Arena. She's a pretty, you know, she. One of the challenges of my partner playing in multiple games is <laughs> she knows she, the different timelines from. She's, she's pretty. <laughs> so if anybody's wondering. Um, out there, mm-hmm. I'm running six games basically. Um, 
I'm running one particular series of games. One of them's not on Twitch. It's a private game that we've been running for about two years. Um, and then that one's between two different groups on Wednesdays. And then a third group on Sunday. And then my Monday one is the post-apocalyptic Faerun. As if the other three groups have failed. Faerun is ruined, right? It's the far future of the apocalypse. That's the game that Cesare is in for the um, uh, for that one. Um, and I just realized I forgot to put in our name banners. I'll have to work on that next time. Um, <laughs> Hi, I'm Cesare. Hi, I'm Jason, the storyteller. Um, I ran a, I, I've got a lot of catch up to do, so I unfortunately <laughs> ran a, lot, a little out of time today. Um, but you know, this game started about. Really, the game started about four years ago with one group. They kind of didn't want to do the online thing, so they disappeared as soon as COVID happened. Mm. All the other ones went online, and they were fine with that. Um, the overarching theme is an arc that transcends all the games. So with my partner playing in three of the four games, you know, it's... Technically, well, yeah, three of the four games. Technically, it's three of the five because it's two alt groups on Wednesday, one in-studio group on Sunday, one not-Twitch game on Sunday, and then the other group never finished. They got to level 15 and just never concluded their campaign. So, um, What if her one character could just, like, time hop? She's like the enigma and the thing that ties it all together. That actually happened to one of the characters that in the Wednesday game, he timed hop oh. from one group to the other. And then I played <laughs> nice. it into the overall theme of the game. He had a job change and he couldn't play with that group anymore during that time. Yeah. Um, so I created a whole like arc for him to time travel through his order and stuff like that. So it was, you know, Belen's backstory should be easy. The only reason I asked for it was because the nature plot is starting to kick in with other yeah. things happening. Um, and I'm beginning to... I, I, I want to get your full backstory before I develop the person that taught you how to be a druid. Gotcha. That's the main yeah, reason. That, he's going to be a major... shaman. Yeah, he's going to... That shaman is going to be, become somewhat of a major NPC here eventually. But you guys didn't take the bait for the for the the red wizards of Thay and the fact that they had sent one of their ambassadors down to talk this might have been before that was you before me yeah, yeah the the other part of the group didn't take that bait they didn't travel to the apocalyptic ruins of Thay and they stayed local and because they stayed local you know it a different orc uh, or a different arc took off so yeah any of you players out there are stuck in a game that you railroaded in you can exist in an open world game. It is possible. You can ask Vale or Cesare. He's in two of them. Tell me something about your Wednesday game. How's that one playing out in your mind? I, your your Monday back story is easy. I yeah. think you already kind of have ideas for your Sunday. I think maybe some uh, scope or feet or other changes might be required to maybe evolve it the way you want to evolve it. Mm -hmm. um, but talk to me about your Wednesday game character what's your what are you doing what's your storyteller like with that i mean is it another open camp like um, open world or is it a module it is completely homebrew 
Okay. It's in a a world called the Three Kingdoms. Nice. And uh, my character is a dragonborn who has wings and a tail. His mother is a half dragon and his father is a dragonborn. Um, Gotcha. That's where the tail came from. That's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, He doesn't show off the wings all that often uh, because it's bizarre for them to be there. So he kind of tucks it away and hides it. Kind of like the half orcs that file down their tasks. Yeah. He always keeps his wings kind of like not bound like actually with uh, fabric or anything but tucked away under his cloak um but actually with him his character creation was the most in-depth i'd done or i've gone on any type of character creation before because it wasn't just i want to create the sneaky boy or i want to create right. the this um we had to make sure that all of our characters were going to interact well together so we first set up um individual character creations like what kind of what what class combo which are you thinking are you thinking of multi-classing what do you want to do right um how do you want to do you want to be a spellcaster? awesome okay um so with those different builds uh what personality traits would you associate to those different characters and then we would go through and cross-reference and see okay well this person has a hero character who's very charismatic that can be a spellcaster. That would be a really good um, hero spot. So we would need a Lancer character to counteract that. And then those two will have a very good dynamic. We also need a heart character or we need the thinker or we need. Now you so guys... we found all of those different um, roles that uh, the inter-party dynamics could play off of each other. Right. And then we started to go to work on, all right, now we know what their characters and their personality traits are. Let's build where they're from what their grow- life was like growing up, what their parents' relationship was, like just all of the details about it. So are you starting off by knowing each other then? You guys are already fast friends or are you still kind of aloof so we, and still It's kind a of group ch- of four okay. and we're paired up. So we, we have met. So um, one of the other players that my character and his character know each other, um, they have recently met you know, just maybe a few weeks prior to when we're going to be starting in um, the first episode's storyline. Gotcha. Um, and then there's going to be an introduction scene where our characters are off doing our thing as we're on our way to meet up, happenstance-wise, uh, with the other two characters. So we're doing a little bit of a two of you know each other a little bit beforehand before the party actually comes together for the introduction. Gotcha, gotcha. Huh. Interesting, but it's an open world. Has he defined it as an open world, or has he yeah. defined an arc for you to start off with? It no. Okay, cool, perfect. <laughs> it is open. He has, he, I'm, he has very much an idea of where he wants to take the campaign. But like, we we talked about in, in each country, we're starting off in a country. Called is he going to be on Twitch? Uh, it is a pre-produced one, so we are going to gotcha. do a a Twitch. Um, kind of like maybe uh once all of the season one episodes are done we're going to do a massive full campaign stream like right right. however many hours it ends up being for the first season well critical Um, role does that now because of covid yeah Um, they pre-produce and then they they release it live so yeah that's the plan yeah i mean it's a lot safer for studio games to keep doing that for now that's why my studio doesn't want to open till july because i don't have the ability to really you know manage that I would yeah. rather, you know, um, go back to the studio like normal and live 
that way yeah. for my future. And we're also thinking of it as a podcast, more f- uh, more so for audio entertainment. So when as we're chopping it all down, we're cutting out some of the time it takes to check up what a spell's details are, or like work out game mechanics, or like yeah. But you know what? People love that, man. That's it's part yeah. of that whole listen and learn prospect. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of that you want to chop out because. Um, I mean, maybe getting up and going to the potty or get, getting up and getting a beer, you could chop. Yeah, yeah, out, no, it's but... it's most of the most of the interruptions and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, so it's it's not just a straight up raw. This is the whole four hours of the stream. Gotcha. We're we're chopping, we're trimming the fat on gotcha. it. Okay. Um, but we also are going to be creating content where it is uh, a bit more uh, edutainment, where it's the actual breakdown of mechanics and. In last week's episode, so and so tried to do this, and we had to go pop, 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 and kind of just like give examples um, in order to one have more content, right. uh, but to have different types of content because a lot of the times it's hard to sit down and listen to a three and a half, four hour stream. Well, of yeah, an episode. I, it takes me three days to listen to Critical Role. Um, yeah, you know, because I consume it in chunks, um, which you know begs the question the platform that you consume it on really helps you as well, you know? So yeah. you so definitely find out wherever you're going to end up posting. Um, let the platform not dictate the formula for what you're creating, right. but let it influence like where you're deciding to put stuff like the YouTube it, it's we're not going to be streaming to the YouTube channel. So the YouTube platform can be all of the produced chopped down streamline. <laughs> right. Speaking of which, like this, this is the type of thing we'd be like, all right, pause. Cool. All right. Thanks, Diva. That's Doug. You know him. He's here all the time. This is his space too. Okay. You know, so it's, it's trying to give a more refined product um, or something that is just a little different from what people are already used to seeing. And right now the live streamed, you see everything format is what people are used to seeing. Right. So we, we chop it up, make it a little bit shorter, make it a, uh, a little bit easier to digest in the overall length of things. Have you seen Realms Apart yet? Realms Apart? Yeah. No. The, take a look at that one. That's exactly how they do it. The, exactly how you're right. describing. The only difference is they don't use cameras. They mm-hmm. use the art that they custom make for their game. Oh, yes. I have seen that. Yeah. It uh, looks it's scabby. So cool. I believe it's a scabby rooster production. He's got a Discord and a Twitch channel um, that I follow, and I pop into his games all the time just to kind of, you know, mm-hmm. I, 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 I like the creativity. Um, and there's a couple people on his, um, at his table that I like their creativity as well. Um, yeah. The gal that plays the goblin is amazing. I love her. She's, is just so cool to watch. Um, Maddie's excitement at getting to be half goblin. I know, was right? Just absolute joy right? last night. It was so <laughs> I can funny. Tell. I like how you you didn't mention that we were going to do zero session on Twitch. That's pretty funny. <laughs> I didn't remember. <laughs> I was like, yeah. We, I mean, it's on Discord, so if you want to turn your video on, that's fine. If not, audio's chill. It's 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 cool. It's just zero session zero. It's like it's no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh. <laughs> okay okay camera ready <laughs> meanwhile she's like gorgeous <laughs> yeah she's great oh right Calista, i know maddie was adorable and it's funny too because the way i have my camera set up when i look to the side to check out where it looks, Twitch like, is, it looks like i'm looking right at chat 
Ah, it's those little things. I'm just like production. The production quality is astounding. Well, you know, and I know we kind of rambled off course here, but I think sure. we could summarize briefly. Right? Going back to Changeling. Yeah. My point. I, no. well, well, actually, here's the main thing. Which of your three characters do you find more challenging from a background perspective? I think Valev is pretty obvious what you want to do there. Yeah, it's uh, just tribal, it's really just thinking about uh, the details and, and names nature and, and yeah. yeah. Once you have that, you know, kind of brief synopsis of your backstory for me, then I can start writing that arc and and getting it going. I think you'll have fun with it. Um, I really thought Valev was going to be tanky and was like I was like, all right, I'm going to build a barb druid that can wild shape and like it's, just go in and take a bunch of damage. And now you just give me a staff that can do so much magic stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm a druid. Well, and, <laughs> and that's what's so fun about playing in open worlds. You know, yeah. every single choice that you make has consequence, right? And, yeah. you know, when you develop your backstory, you're not really entirely sure how to develop it if you're going to be in an open world environment where things are going to, where the world, the reason I do open world is because I want it to impact you and I want it to mm -hmm. cause you to evolve. Um, Man, the, those first three sessions were like mad, just like hardcore trying to evolve and Valev figuring out how, what the heck am I supposed to do that is going to help? Because so far there's somebody on the team that is better at everything that I've tried to like do. Be well, like, I'll go out front and I'll go scout. I, I, Bro, I, I got these goggles that can see like a mile in right, the distance. Right. Like I, I, we're good. I'm I, like, okay, I'm gonna go talk to the animals. Bro, we got a ranger who's literally calming the T Rexes down and having them go for a walk right now. Like we're good. I'm like, mother. And it was great because I got to play that out in Valev and his frustration with. It especially being like an angsty teenager, like <laughs> trying yeah, to figure yeah. out your way through the world and going on these adventure parties with adults who probably don't take you seriously. Like, yeah, it was good. It was, but he fell into a rhythm. Once I started messing with a lot of the random magic stuff. Well, and, and you actually bring up another good point, which is being a new player with an established group, right? That's always a yeah, challenge. And we'll have time. a separate sesh, chill session about that. Cause I think it's important for people to understand there are some unique challenges to that. And I've heard of entire groups melting away because of adding a new person, you know, without the consent. Yeah, of no, the, the group, vibe has without, to be right. Yeah, yeah. It's got to fit. Yeah. I mean, in our previous campaign, like you went through three different chairs before I was ended up in the group. Yeah. And then once I was there, we had, I don't, I don't even remember how many sessions, like yeah. 30, yeah, 20 to maybe, 30 sessions in maybe, that campaign yeah, for it. Yeah. So it was like, so let's yeah. talk about Omni, right? You're going okay. with Omni. Um, um, so with, I'm just literally reading Shape Changer under right. races. Right. Uh, as an action, you can change your appearance and your voice. You determine the specifics of the changes, including your coloration, hair length, and sex. You can also adjust your height and weight, but not so much that your size changes. So you can't go from medium to large. Um, you can make yourself... Or I guess from medium to small, so you can't like lose three feet of your height. Um, you can make yourself appear as a member of another race, though. None of your game stats change. You can't duplicate the appearance of a. You cannot duplicate the appearance of a creature you've never seen, and you must adopt a form that has the same basic arrangement of limbs that you have. Your clothing and equipment aren't changed by this trait. 
You stay in this new form until you use an action to revert to your true form or until you die. So that answers the question of until you die. If you die, you revert back to what you look like right, as a changeling. Right. Yeah. So I was just I had just pulled that up and saw that and it spoke some clarifications to what I was having issues with or like trying to figure out before. Um, because again, going with the homebrew idea of your equipment changing with you, right. I mean, that's a fun, interesting thing to add. But if not, it does make sense that if you get a little bit bigger and your clothes aren't <laughs> aren't going to fit you, you, you have to go and get different equipment, which you provides get- its whole other, you yep. know, issues so i that being known if that's the world that this that they exist in um they wouldn't change their physical size all that much that way they can maintain wearing the same clothes that they would wear correct um and all the same armor they don't have to go out and have an armory but being a six foot halfling could be suspicious very suspicious (laughs) very i i mean at that point like (laughs) <laughs> you know, but if you can change your height, I mean, what what is a small character's? A, a dwarf is considered medium, right? Halfling yeah, I mean, and goblins, so three foot six. Yeah, I, so well, a little I mean, bit higher a than mechanic. that. There's a mechanic in the rule base that allows the storytellers to at least to know the difference between tiny, small, medium, large, mm-hmm. um, huge, and gargantuan, right? Because we right. we know that built into the rules yeah. are ways of gaining advantage, disadvantage, proficiencies, and other things mm-hmm. because of the difference between you and an opponent or between right. your opponent and you as a target, right? Um, that's mostly a mechanic that's uh, encounter-driven, right? And here's the thing, right? If you're sitting at a table where every session is an encounter, it's going to influence how you build your tune. You know, It's going to influence sure. how you build out your character. Sitting yeah. at an open-world table, you may go five sessions and then finally have an encounter, or you may go two sessions, have an encounter, or you may have two back-to-back encounters and then go four sessions. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a, it's a lot harder to gauge your, um, your balance approach because if you're not in a encounter-specific driven game every time, you have a little bit more freedom to be creative with your character and that backstory um, and, and allow that backstory to kind of evolve and play out at your table or at your group or you know whatever wherever you're sitting so i kind of seen see omni is almost like a hermaphrodite style creature you know mm-hmm. a kind of um gender neutral um very much uh uh neutral identified the question is as a changeling do you see the world through those type of eyes or are you going to allow the world to impact your backstory, right? Because you take the natural suspicion and some of the other lore. Mm-hmm. Do you want some of that to impact your backstory? Or are you just going to just, you know, throw cookies in the oven and see what you see what you get, kind of thing? Um, I don't know. It's it's inter- interesting to be in a position to where like you're also kind of like building the lore of the world mm-hmm. at the same time, yeah. like by choosing character traits, which is 
Oh, that's an interesting, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a little tempting. Like the DM temptress comes through uh, and sprinkles a little bit of that sauce. And you're like, okay, oh, this is kind of fun. World building. I'm affecting the world with, you know, this one person. That's very interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. Well, to be fair. I don't fair, know. I have to do a little bit more reading on the yeah, lore. To be fair, um, one of the things I stipulated in the in the Zero session was that there's a the world is at a fulcrum of point of time, right? Mm -hmm. We're transitioning from a period of time into the evolution of something that is going to affect the entirety of this portion of the world that you're in, right? Yeah. Um, the theme of the game is the origin story of the revelry, the mm -hmm. origin story of Darktoe, right. and the origin story of the evolution of the Plank King, and what does that mean, and how does that all come into existence, right? There are some baseline lores out there, but for the most part, it's absent. For the most part, it's just timeline. Mm -hmm. So this game is about a effectively maybe being those group a member of that group that does change the very nature of the economy of scale the political environment um you know so there is a great opportunity that you're going to have with potentially being influential on the shape shaping of the world for the most part mm -hmm. so it plays out The more I think about it, the more tempting it is to have equipment that morphs when you morph as well. <laughs> like, and I don't necessarily need to change size all that often, but now, being able to just have my entire appearance and disguise switch. So if you do go that route, the only limitation you're going to have is you're going to have what's called a natural armor class. Mm -hmm. Right? You'll have a natural armor class. So if you morph to make it look like you're wearing chainmail. You're not technically wearing chainmail. Follow gotcha. me. However, you know, three attunement slots or the ability to wear rings yep. will very much influence that evolution of that style if you go that direction. Mm -hmm. Right. However, if you take on the direction that you just wear equipment and have to make sure it fits you based on the variations that you change into, yeah. then you go that route. Right. Um, so it's an either or situation. Uh, balancing it. I mean, the spell disguise self could do all that as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as it far can. as just like, yeah. you know, if, if the attire isn't right, having disguise self to make that look, what that way I would still have like the normal gear that I would wear yep. and that wouldn't be an issue. But yeah, disguise self has time constraints. Yep. And you know how much I love time constraints. Oh, in yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. great. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> So I guess with that, yeah, how would we work out what a natural AC would be for So there's a there's a rule as written, right? The raw interpretation of an unarmored armor class, right? So mm -hmm. the So uh, typically if you're unarmored and you're considered humanoid, it's always an AC of 10, right? Gotcha. Um but I was thinking of some really cool things we could do with your character. I was thinking about... I, I think I came up with a better idea for your special trait. Because you know how we were talking about you get one yeah. free special trait? Them flavor feats. Yeah. So I think as a changeling, 
That was just for you, Vince. <laughs> As a changeling, you have an innate ability to blink. Oh, that's one of their uh, racial, like, um, or that's uh, one of the sorcerer's metamagic options. Correct. Or you can you can teleport, right? No, no. Blink means if you're in combat. You're, oh, to a different plane. No, you're phasing in and out of existence in like nanoseconds of activity, like blink dogs uh, or yeah, the, you know the uh, the cloak of many eyes and some of those other ones. So yeah, you attack, go to a, attacks a against you are made with alternate dimension. Yeah, you like blink out and blink back in, blink out, blink back in, right? And you could pick whatever uh, plane you want to do, um, but that means any attacks on you are made with disadvantage, right? Mm -hmm. Then we could come up with your own custom natural AC where I can say, all right, based on your decks, based on your, your natural trait of being able to blink and your combined lineage of the evolution of your character, suddenly your natural AC might be a 14, right? Right. Which would then encourage your character to go on shopping trips or on treasure hunting trips looking for, you know, rings of protection, Things that add to their AC. Yep. So I already have Circlet a line. of defense, yeah. ring of protection. Right. If That's you, like plus four right there. Right. So I kind of feel like you're. I've never been a fan of natural armor class when it relates to humanoids. Mm -hmm. um, I realize that a humanoid monster natural armor class is predefined because they're a monster classification. They're not necessarily an NPC. Um, mm -hmm. protagonist antagonist player character classification i like so for example the so for example changeling monster stat puts you at plus two decks right just the mm -hmm. base monster stat so if the natural ac is a 10 it's automatically now a 12 because of that the blink ability would bump it up to a 14 right so your natural ac is 14 before you put on any armor whatsoever. But in order for you to gain the benefit of the blink ability, you can never wear armor. Right? There's a trade-off, right? You can't yeah. you can't stack the OP and yeah. tell yourself you're going to have a fun time. Which is really interesting because as a paladin, right now I'm paladin for sorcerer 1. So right. I'm heavy on the paladin. I made a dex, well, my strength is 15, my dex is 16. My rolls didn't go exactly the way I was hoping, <laughs> but it's totally fine. Um, I could put some into decks a little bit later, hopefully maybe through some feats or something. Right. But with a dex of 16, like a plus three, that's that's it's respectable. It's respectable. I mean, but for something that normally paladins, you see them up in like plate mail and like they are tanks. Like they are jumping in with 22 ACs with shields and like full plate and just like going to town in their melee and i was like well that would be really cool but what if it was a paladin that wasn't like i'm a holy fighter and i'm going uh, you know i'm a uh what comes to mind when i think paladin is like diablo right like in a full suit of armor freaking knighted up swinging a massive blade or some other type of thing that is doing a crazy so i've also been working on a feat called the grace of god mm-hmm where if you are a paladin with a certain pantheon, and when you hit a certain subclass level, you can opt for something called the Grace of God, which gives you a natural defensive aura that's passive. Oh, nice. Right. 
So yeah. I, I like so to it's come kind up of like with... that aura of protection type of right, right. But the difference is it's twenty four seven. It's passive. As long as your faith to your God is still devout, and yeah. you make it to that level, it's not never has to be invoked. It's just an automatic thing that happens. So while we're talking about faith to a, a God, um, I thought the oath of the open sea was really intriguing because I don't think it has to do much with the gods. And it was more so in my mind, like this person is pledging their life to like just the adventure and wildness yes. that the sea offers I would and agree with that, that life and being a paladin, I would put them more on the, the sea is a majestic, but also insanely dangerous place. And the paladin mentality or characteristics that this person would have was that they are going to do everything that they can to try and make the sea, not tame it, but eliminate any sense of evil that right. would like cause the sea or, you know, nature in that sense, harm, be it monsters, um, demons, devils, whatever the issue or humans for that matter. If humans are messing up the sea, like he'll want to go and they will, they will want to go and, you know, rectify that. So it's oath of the, uh, it's the oath of the sea, I believe for paladin open sea. Maybe let me pull it up. Doom to be hot. Sacred oath. Yeah. It's the oath of the open sea. It's the critical role one. Yeah, sometimes my search parameters get a little bit clunky. So, so oath spells, you get at 3rd, 5th, ninth, 13th, and 17th level. I don't know how many of these paladin levels versus sorcerer levels I'm going to get, but if I want to do the magics a lot well, later, I mean, and I'm going to need more sorcerer it, it, levels. It does folk tend to focus more on the way that... Um, uh, I always call him Grog, and I don't mean to call him Grog because that's season Ford. Ford, um, yeah. Ford, it, he he went from technically, I think he was toying with the idea of going with Krakatoa, right, or Ukatoa. Mm -hmm. um, I think the problem he had with Ukatoa is, I I I think he didn't really understand how innately chaotic Ukatoa is. Right. Oh, you're just trying to use me to free you from your millennia of capture and, and torment. Right. And I think maybe, I think maybe Thought we Travis, had something special, bro. Yeah. I think maybe Travis was thinking he could come up with a way of flavoring that interaction. But I think after like multiple assassination attempts and other things that had occurred, um, yo, bro, Ukatoa might not be the best thing for you. Yeah. So, like you're the group of friends having to talk them out of a bad relationship. Like he doesn't even love you. Right. Like, so I think. You know, going with either the Wild Mother or the Storm Lord, you know, is doable. Or mm -hmm. pick one that you feel kind of matches that flavor, you know, because gods in my I mean, worlds are, lo are lots of fun. They're a lot of fun yeah. in my world. So, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, the Wild Mother would be, would be interesting, but... I kind of was looking at a lot of the the lightning and and water, like the tidal wave that you get. You get call lightning and you get tidal wave at ninth level. I don't know if I'm going to make it to ninth level, but creator destroy water and expeditious retreat, those are really great things to use on a ship. <laughs> like those are really helpful. Yeah, you know, no, they are wind. Absolutely, they are. 
um, marine layer fury of tides for your channel divinity options. Those are those are great things. Um, yeah, I, I would probably say the storm lord at that point because it's it's more the the danger that the open sea offers is the excitement and the thrill and the adventure that they're seeking um and that they want to also protect because you know it shapes it shapes people mm -hmm. you can have a well, really great or bad experience on and, the sea and, and I'll, as a freebie i'll say this this campaign is going to be based on the islands the atolls um specific coastal regions its main focus is there could you end yeah. up in the Morrow Valley or the Ashen Peaks or some other place? It's possible. But for the most part, this is meant to be a piratey kind of theme that you guys can immerse yourself in. But then yeah. again, there's always the consequence of choice, right? The consequence of choice is always that one thing that kind of lingers out there like a baited hook. <laughs> yep. So Valev's backstory is solid. I think I think we're good on Valet's backstory. Um, ish. Yeah, I mean, I mean the details is what is t trying and a I, bit tiresome. Mostly, my expectation was a shamanistic leader and like in charge of a tribal unit mm -hmm. that lives kind of like the Thirteenth Warrior, you know, like a den of bears, and they kind of live that way, um, and they. But they also inspire other natural realities as well. Mm -hmm. But they are 100% shamanistic. They're 100% druid shamanistic, um, and they, you know, they follow the flavor of the totem of the bear. I've yeah. already kind of got my framework written out, written out in my mind and in OneNote in regards to how he's going to plug and play into the adventures. Yeah. But I don't want to. I don't want to force a protagonist narrative. On anybody, so the idea. No, no, but as as far as kind of like that. where, like if if you wanted to bring in his his family, his actual bear family, cool. <laughs> like I haven't given thought to. He has siblings, you know. One of the one of the cubs had died recently, which is why the mother bear like kind of had had found him and taken him in. So there were three cool. originally, and he, you know, filled that third role as far as um, any other type of like details. But other than that, never thought of names, never thought of like, you know, what what is going on with their lives or or anything like that. It, jumping into the campaign, it, it was always just like, okay, so this is the situation now. How do you figure out where you're going forward? Because he didn't know anything about this group prior you know he's literally trying to figure out all of this as i'm trying to figure out all of this you know he, he has some idea of kind of what the world is like but a lot of it's wrong because he doesn't understand society right, right? so he understands nature what the world well, is like i think even more interesting society doesn't really exist anymore i mean most of right. the travels have been seeing the apocalyptic remnants of an old yeah. world that doesn't exist anymore and the only society that he's seen now is this weird kind of Midlands Empire that's mm -hmm. managed, or Midlands Kingdom that's managed to cling on to some semblance of society. They yeah. seem to have limitless wealth 
and they seem to be focused on the recovery of relics strewn all about the apocalyptic background. Yeah, of, cities, of the world. towns, money, uh, social standing, like lords, dukes, like anything along that line, you just does not get. Right. No. Like the fact sense. that you have to take something and like scoop food to eat. Why don't you just like, <laughs> like you know? Use, what the use, heck? Use the, you know, just take the squash and eat it right out of the skin. What's yeah, your problem? They, they try and make it so much more difficult. Like, <laughs> it's those types of things that Valev is just, all of those, it goes right over his head. But, um, yeah, so for backstory, it's it's very still much just, just kind of chunks and wherever you want to take it. Because, th th especially for a 16-year-old, like, ish, in that mid-range um, teenager, he doesn't really have life goals, you know. He doesn't. He doesn't have some like question that's been burning in the back of his mind for so long, except for like actual human parents. I don't know, right. maybe. Right. But he's not like on a quest to find them. Like he was happy with his bare upbringing, and he was brought into this dream clan. He's like learning all this magic stuff from his. I'm like, like that's pretty cool. Life's good, you know. He doesn't have this real need to be out adventuring except he is trying to learn more about the world and going out and doing these things that's stuff that he's good at mm -hmm. like you know vert allows uh his his tribe to kind of like stay um uh re not receded um reclusive mm -hmm. and uh a bit more not their location like kept a secret but it's agreed that they're not going to infringe on um, you know, their, their space and their territory. So it's like, he understands the ideas of like making a deal. But aside from that, the thing that just drew him in and completely made him stick was the dragons. Like he had heard right, stories right. and he's, he's learned a lot of, he, a lot of draconic through the shaman, as far as the way that he casts spells and this and that, um, because a lot of draconic language is tied into spell casting and making and just the innate magic that dragons have. So that's that's the number one main thing. Um, that and this group has so many pets. <laughs> he loves hanging out with ghosts. Um, you know, so that's it's uh, well, it's just do the best you can. Hopefully, I've given you some insights on what you want to do. Um, I think yeah. Balev is easy. You just got to plug in the details and let me know the just kind of like the theme. Mm -hmm. um, and then for Omni, I think you've got just simple choices to make for the most part um you know going one path that's more traditional and going another path that's less traditional and then just figure out if that's going to match your play style or the intent of the play style of the game so yeah cool. well i mean i'm thinking of omni from not only like the tactical standpoint of what is going to end up working better having him just having them um uh, just continually in their equipment and change their physical form or is that natural ac something that's going to work out even though currently you know he they are a wait go back to the sheet um you know level four paladin they are going to be in melee a lot they don't have very strong magic as of yet um will that natural ac uh, are we going to be able to find stuff that's going to bump that up to something that is going to be actually that can utilize in melee or is are they going to have to be a bit more sorcerer on the back lines for a little bit 
before you know um gaining say a ring of uh protection or a circlet of defense or something like that where their ac gets up higher and then they'll be able to later go on and do more of the paladin stuff where they're in close melee um or are they a ranged paladin like is that a thing? We've no, it is a dex build. Like I mm-hmm. kind of made it so that they're using, you know, they're uh, they're using a rapier um, and a finesse weapon, so it's doing more damage on the dex side. Um, but yeah, what does a dex based paladin look like? Do you divine smite arrows, or are those melee attacks that you can divine smite? Right, right. So. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know which way to go. Because if I can get a natural AC eventually, that would end up being the same type of thing that I'd be able to get, you know, in full plate as a, the tank paladins normally are, that would end up having so much more fun as far as the amount of flavor with what we can do in RP, um, as well as just like tacticality. Right. Um, in any type of like heist or like, uh sneak situation um so yeah i'll I'll think about it and try and figure out um i think the only thing you want to be a little cautious of with paladins Mm -hmm. is that they tend to be an upfront damage dealing kind of build Mm -hmm. um that's why they have limited uh spell slots so maybe the warlock helps that out i'm not sure yet um i also sorcerer yeah, or yeah, sorcerer. I also yeah, like the, the warlock. Uh, the sorcerer. I know, right? The sorcerer, you know, is a you know, it requires a bit of mathematics to understand the buying and selling, the buying yeah. and selling of your slots, right? I think what's going to be interesting is that I like the idea of maybe building custom spells for you. Yeah. Like, I mean, that sounds really cool, but it also sounds like it's really confusing, and I don't know how to do it in D and D Beyond. And most well, of the time, no, I just look at what D and D Beyond tells that, me to do. No, that's easy <laughs> enough for me. What what I mean, custom <laughs> spells. I mean, in the sense uh-huh. that as your role play evolves and mm-hmm. you want to flavor how your spells work, maybe you come, maybe you come across a book or a, a tome of some sort. It's a magic you've never experienced before, and you try to learn it. And then you practice it and practice it. You try to learn it and you practice it. The next thing you know, you've learned a unique spell that no one knows even existed. So I do that a lot with my spellcasters in my games. Well, that's super cool. So that what you know, I created a, a magic called matter magic that allows you to manipulate the physical matter of something. And then you, you know, you reshape it, you pour it, you turn it into something else. You Turn it into a defensive mechanism or a weapon or, right? So it's called matter magic. And it's something I've had. I've had that around for like a long time. But now that I have so many casters, my previous French Valley group from like, you know, or no, Murrieta group from eons ago, he had found the matter magic tome and was becoming a uh, matter magic dual classed rogue and wizard, right? Um, Dang. So, unfortunately, the campaign petered out because of COVID, but um, it's just one of those things that I, my muse is to invent things that I think you might like, as long as you roll a high enough investigation to find where I hide them. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if you guys had actually uh, known half the shit that you've kind of walked by, 
your little brains would pop. And I, my investigation <laughs> is plus zero. My intelligence is ten. Yeah. So I, hear I was going to have this character because their charisma is maxed. Um, I couldn't decide if I wanted to have that make them actually be like the front face talkative vivacious like always trying to be everybody's friend but also right. can be like intimidating or if i wanted to play omni as like a very monotone like well, just bland character yeah, but funny. once they transform then yeah. they take over that new character but i also thought of the idea of them never showing their actual self they, you always only right. see them well, in their transformed state and what's funny that you mentioned that um, Ivar in my Age of Arcanum game Friday nights, mm -hmm. um, he's playing a Yanti pureblood, but he's flavored. Oh, this was his first. Uh, this Friday was his first game, yes, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, he's playing it with a flavor of Mantis from the Guardians of the Galaxy, where she just has no concept of emotion cool. or expression. Right. Yeah. So in one of the scenes, he's like, one of the I think it was Shannon said something about. Uh, smiling or do you feel happy and he goes oh happy he just <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly am i doing it right yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly <laughs> so he had a lot of fun with that and i think it's going to be fun to watch that character evolve too so all right yeah. well the sunday night game i need your backstory or at least your framework because it can evolve as we play i'm okay with that but okay i need the overall um synopsis at least by the end of day friday so that i have it and i can start okay. uh toying with it um the valev one you don't need to get to me until you know we're already in session in game it's not you know in major so i feel like uh I've already got the idea built. I just my mom's sure. name was. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how to spell that. My Sorry. mom's name was Winnie, and my dad's name was Pooh. Um, you know, it's like I've already got the frame built for the for the arc or the hook to come in to see how you guys yeah. interact with it. But for the most part, I just want to make sure I'm not violating policy of the what you have in your head or your oh, overall yeah, mind. No. So. There's there's nothing up there except what we've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody thank you for hanging out with us at this chill session um monday nights you can uh watch uh cesare um his camera will be active uh, are you doing animes or are you going to do your regular camera my camera is going to be active today is it yeah is, everybody because uh, i know calissa's will be so um, oh i was enjoying just having audio i was going to take my setup to uh to the house and totally, just do audio there yeah and... totally up to stick with the valev avatar but yeah you will yeah hear, i like that photo yeah you will hear the wonderful voice of uh valev tonight in tonight's uh seven to ten west coast game um and then plug your wednesday game for me Wednesdays, uh, well, you can't see it yet, but we're starting our first uh, recording of our very first episode. We've been in pre-production and um, all of that stuff. We've been doing what, test episodes and getting all the tech right. What podcast are you guys going to be on eventually? Uh, we'll be wherever podcasts okay. are found, cool. um, but it is called The General Adventuring Company nice. or TGAC. Um, the social handles are at TGAC pod, P-O-D. Um, but yeah, we have a whole like content rollout that we got coming up for the next uh, couple of weeks that we're creating that is going to be dropping nice. 
uh, and then mid-May. Sundays, Sunday, Sunday, fun days, Sunday, Sunday, yeah, uh, six o'clock to nine o'clock West Coast time. Um, we may try to start at five thirty in the future. I don't know. I kind of feel like giving Maddie that extra half hour might have some value to it. Oh, um, it would be great. Yeah, so as, I, uh, as long as Shannon can get there, yeah. that's the main thing. I want to make sure that both Shannon and Maddie benefit from the conversation first before I just summarily do it. So uh, six to nine on Sundays for now. That may change because. With Maddie being on the East Coast, I'd like to give her that little extra bit of time um, uh, to manage that. So, all right, everybody. Thank you. Thank you, Chesre. Um, no as always, go down to the abouts, check out our socials, come over to our Discord, uh, check out our schedule on Twitch. Everything's posted there for you. I'm not going to spend 20 minutes telling you all the information. Right down there. It's right down there. It's check right it down, out. Right down there somewhere. Uh, but thank you for joining us. And everybody have a safe Monday. And... See some of you tonight. See y'all. Bye. Bye.